0: Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE
1: Capital. In this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, Guy is joined by Nairi and Ross. Today, they're going to be talking all about pitch decks, providing you with a brief introduction to what they are and what you need to know about pitch decks in order to be successful. Without any further ado, let's uh, hand it over.
0: Thanks, Ivan. Hi, everybody. So, I've got Ross and Guy here. So, I thought it would be useful in the first instance, Ross, if you could just maybe introduce yourself, tell us what you're here in capacity as and, and what your experience is so far, and particularly with Pitch Decks.
2: Yes, Nari, and uh, welcome, everyone. So, yes, my name's Ross Faith. I'm here as part of the EH team as a Dementor, which is a lovely title the team have given me. I'd like to probably explain a bit more in terms of what it means. My experience to date has been involved in PLCs, small limited companies, large limited companies, startups, an array of quite different types of businesses in different sectors. And as part of the EH team, I bring to it an assessment of having created business plans and investment decks. I've also done a number of negotiations for businesses to secure finance and, and discussions to ensure the survival of those businesses for the future. So quite a varied role really Mary in terms of I, I bring to this team and uh, hopefully really to bring to the users of this call to, to understand what I can help and in particular the pitch decks and the, what I look out for and how important they are.
0: Brilliant thank you so Dementor is not as menacing as it sounds then is it Ben? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy hi
1: <laughs> hi hi Mary hi Ross yeah I am slightly disappointed that we're not going to see you sort the life out of, of people maybe on the podcast or I don't know but anyway <laughs> and now that we've established actually what you do, one of you the things that you're going to be doing for, for EHE is uh, assessing pitch steps and we you, you've come in as specifically look at that and then from that, determine along with other information, whether the applicant, the entrepreneur that's applying for the funding, has got everything they need to take the funding to to investors. So a uh, really relevant conversation today.
2: And it is. It's, it's probably an area that I think a lot of people probably are quite scared of, if I'm going to be quite honest. The pitch decks probably bamboozle a lot of people and think, oh no, it's all about loads and loads of numbers and I'm going to get pulled apart, and and there's a lot of hard effort that goes into pitch decks. I think, from my experience, on the internet, there's loads of numerous versions out there. And some of those versions, can can cover the need for for pitch decks, whether they are for investment purposes, purely finance, business focus, tech, startup, keynotes. They they, they have lots of purposes. But I think the one thing that I hope we will try and bring out in terms of the basics in this session is just what is the importance of pitch decks. And the way that I've always used pitch decks in the past is that it's an important part of what I refer to as a five-stage process and the way I've evaluated and supported investors looking at people's businesses. So clearly you have like the initial application that somebody would come along and, and talk about a business. And and that's like a sweetener to it. But then that is so important to so actually go into a bit of niper detail, but not too much because it needs to be pitched at the right level for me. And then the other phase is clearly, of course, is then moving towards getting getting that security of a deal and the support from an investor to, to, to make sure the business is successful in the future. So pitch decks are, uh, are very important. I think one of the, the, the things that people struggle with is understanding how
1: much detail to put into these things. You alluded to that just a second ago. And do you try squeeze everything into a pitch deck? And then you can, whether you're talking to the investor and presenting to them, or whether the investor's just looking at it in isolation without any kind of verbal communication, you kind of, you've got everything in there. But there again, you don't want to overface the pitch deck because investors have probably got short attention spans and you, know, you want to get your message across quickly. So it's a tricky
2: balance, I think, isn't it, Ross? It is. And, and, and that's a very, very good point, Guy, that what I've always found is the simple the better, the briefer the better. And the one thing I think people do fail upon is trying to put too much in and probably not keep basically highlighting the salient points, which captures the imagination of of an investor In what the entrepreneur or the person seeking investment in their company is after. So pitching it is very key. So there's definitely a a few principles I've always looked at, which is keeping it simple. Most definitely the briefer, the better. And, and the, what I call less use of jargon. And that's one other area that I find that if people use lots of acronyms and and I think we've all already got that in our world that. You spend too much time trying to understand an acronym, but actually not understanding what's being given to you in terms of your proposition. But you, you're quite right. Pitching it is, is at the right level. But I've always firmly believed less is more, but wet the appetite to make sure that you've interested somebody in something. And then you can explore it further, but it's got to be pitched at the right level that makes it interesting to explore further. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that, that level.
0: Okay, thanks for that, Ross. That is really useful. I feel like the less is more thing is already giving me anxiety because I am somebody that like shoves it all in. And you go back to that exam mentality at school, don't you? Where you think, if I just, is this the line that's like the defining point that's going to get me to the next grade or or whatever? So, with that in mind, then obviously less is more. We don't want to overwhelm investors with too much information. What What are the key things that are non-negotiable and have to be in a pitch deck? What story are we trying to tell?
2: Yeah, and and I think it's 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 good that you you pick on the word story, Nairi. So I I envisage that with pitch decks, the best thing is how do you portray a story? How does an entrepreneur portray a story of an overview to begin with, which is around vision, short, medium, long-term goals? What are you trying to achieve? But then a very... Sort of high level can capture somebody's heart and capture some of these hearts and minds on on what you are proposing. Clearly, a pitch deck's got to principally have a number of component parts. There's clearly the opportunity. What market are you going into, and and what is the proposition around that in terms of whether it's product based, customer based, tech based? But it needs to be simple in its approach. I've seen lots of market data than being given to which goes over multiple slides, but actually could overwhelm an investor. They have a small amount of time to understand what's in their mindset to, to, understand, you know, clearly see where it can be taken for. And you have got to get to that quite quickly because somebody's living and breathing on a day to day basis. An investor has got quite a small amount of time, as Guy alluded to earlier on, quickly assess this. And you've got to get that down on paper very, very quickly. The one powerful piece that I always find is the team. There's a lot of effort being put around the team. Who are the key people who's going to deliver the elements in this proposition? How are they being looked after? What skill set do they bring to the proposition? And I think that's one area that should not be underestimated because in a lot of early form companies, there's not a lot of data around what they've produced or they may have created the concept or design, but the team. A are, model are most powerful uh, assets in terms of how that business is going to go forward and forward. Being a, a finance man with the background that I have, I love the numbers. I love being able to see numbers. And yes, I would interrogate numbers right down to the nth degree. But in the pitch deck, you don't want to give too much detail because actually it can be overwhelming. And the investor needs to see an overview of those financials. So, not a huge amount. What are the key drivers behind the business model. What are the assumptions over time? They've got to be realistic. They've got to be risk managed and they need to make sense. Lots of investors can spot overpromise and then we'll deliver. And for me, of course, it's making sure that, that those pitch decks make sense. They make sense on the investment lead that needs to go in the use of that, those funds and where they're going to go then where the risk management around those, that investment and where the benefits going to come through. But you've also got to make sure that the output, whether that's on a three-year, five-year, seven, or ten-year basis, is exciting enough that the returns are going to be exponential. But you've got to start off small and then build up where things are going to be looking fantastic. Giving an example, I have seen some pitch decks where somebody said, "Get me investment. I spend it in three months, and then all of a sudden, I'm 100% capacity in the first month post." You, you can spot those, and they just don't make sense. So one of the big things is cash flow within there. How is cash going to be managed? One of the failures pitch decks to me is they don't look at some detail around how cash is going to move because what you don't want to be in a situation of is you ask for money today and then all of a sudden, six months down the road, there's another trudge of cash that is needed. And investors don't like that. They, They like to know that the money is safe, it's being wisely spent, but then there's nothing coming down the road where there's a risk of another tranche of cash that's needing to go into a business and then really detail around the offer what supports the overview what is it that that, that the investor is being asked for what's on offer and being realistic what that is because the money is needed in the first days to help this business really grow very quickly it's still be it's going to be deemed reasonable really in terms of what that pitch step shows.
0: okay thank you that's that's really useful guy anything to add?
1: I love the story part of this. So I know from when I put pitch decks together, uh, whether that be for investment or other purposes, that I always struggle with thinking about the flow, where things should sit. So if you look at it as a story and how that story unfolds, then that actually helps you decide what goes where within the pitch deck. And again, just to Ross's point, I guess it's a case of, Picking out the, for the investor, what's going to grab their attention. Less is more. So you don't want to put too much, but you do want to grab their attention. So what what you have to really think carefully about what you think is going to grab their attention, but be careful that you don't step over the line. Again, as the example Ross used, where it becomes ridiculous and unbelievable. So it's again, getting that balance between what's realistic and what's going to grab their attention and make the whole kind of presentation flow as a story. Uh, And you just want to tell that story quickly, succinctly, and make it as exciting as possible to keep the investor's attention. That's why I took away from that.
0: Thank you. I think, I mean, obviously I'm a a marketer, so I always love a good story and and I always start with a story. I think the other bit for me that that kind of resonated when you were talking, Ross, is around being authentic, isn't it? So you talked about lack of not using too much jargon. And I can imagine there's multiple pitch decks out there that all claim to be disruptive and they're going to be the next unicorn and all the jargon. But actually, what's the authentic story that you're telling and what's the problem that you're trying to solve? Because we talk very much, don't we, about people being important. We have to believe in the team and we buy into the people. And we need to see there's a degree of that story showcasing personality as well as, as providing all, all the numbers. One of the questions I was going to ask you, actually, obviously we're uh, maybe a little bit chalk, chalk and cheese because our backgrounds are very different, but do you think pitch decks need to be tailored depending on the investor's background? Will they be looked at do certain backgrounds have more relevance of things that they're looking for? Or would you say this is a generic approach to, to pitch decks?
2: I think that's, that's, very valid question because what I've seen is a a transitioning from investors in terms of some more important factors like the environment in terms of what is the corporate social responsibility elements of certain businesses. And and investors are starting to look at that now in terms of what are you looking for investment in? And some investors are now pulling money away from what I would call ecological challenges that we all face, I think, as a world. And You probably need to understand making sure, again, about the level of detail. Why is this money being asked for? But then making sure which investor it would be pertinent to be able to look for that investment. Because I I found a lot of investors that I've tried to approach, and been on the other side as well, is that they scorecard a lot of people in terms of what their their most important factors are as of today. But those will change as uh, things change and think around us. It, It is key. But I think, again, coming back to the point we felt, less is, less is more. Keep it into a nice story, but make awareness to that. I mean, D&I as well is the latest thing, diversity and inclusion. And what are we doing with regards to what does you know, new, new businesses doing around D&I? And I've seen a number of decks now clearly, wholly focus on that because they're looking for investors who are very supportive of that type of need for where they will have put their money on.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. So we've talked a lot about what the investors are wanting to hear and what they're looking for. From an entrepreneur point of view, what are the kind of key things that they need to include that's important to them? Because there's a balance, isn't there, around you 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 have to include your core principles, but you also need to balance out what, what the investors are looking to hear. And you talked a bit earlier, which I thought was really interesting, about the KISS principle. Would you be able to uh, elaborate on some of those
2: elements. Yeah. The, the case principle is, is keeping it simple. There is another word that I was referred to as <laughs> the rest, which is stupid. yeah Anyway, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that before, but as an entrepreneur, what I, I find is I find amazing looking at a story of what that, the heart and mind of the entrepreneur is passing over as to why they walk back in from investors. So it is interpreting what they've got in their head and their heart to on paper, but makes it exciting. And what's the USP of why, you know, you're, you're presenting that in front of investor to make a difference between other people who may be entering the market or maybe already in the market, making it interesting that you should back me, and my team, more so than what else, because I've got A, B and C as, just qualities. Coming back to that authentic sort of caring more. Character, characteristics of entrepreneurs. I think I, I found a number of entrepreneurs I've worked with in the past that they've got these be- beautiful, brilliant ideas, but it's getting it down on paper and making sure that you articulate what's in their heads and get it onto paper. So then then you're getting that message across, but the investor can actually interpret that and go, yeah, it's all about people. I think being passionate in words, as we talked about earlier on, which is less jargon. If you have got to use jargon... Get it out quickly and explain it, but don't over-explain it. Don't make it the the, the focus of of the path. I think we've talked earlier on before about the audience understanding. You know how you're pitching, what you're saying as as an entrepreneur. Make sure you're being authentic. What you want to get is your message across, but it's clear and identifiable for them.
0: No, that's really useful. Thank you. So obviously, it's really important to get it right. We've talked about keeping it simple, less is more, a bit of a, a structure, what the investors want to hear. So for anyone that's out there that's about to start thinking about creating their first pitch deck or, or creating a pitch deck, we know they're go- going to submit it in the future. Where do they start? Where are the reference points? How do they make headway on this? So I imagine that starting it's probably the hardest part, isn't it?
2: It is. The best way I can give advice on that is, look, there's a lot of things online. There's some good ones out there. There's some bad ones. I think it's fair to say that, that as EHE, we will look at, I hope, in the future of creating this community that will help with building best practice learnings to help and aid entrepreneurs who who come and visit us with regards to case studies, what works well, what doesn't work well. And I think what I would say is that Loads of people don't get this right the first time. And I think it's not a kickback. It's one of the learning. It's one of knowing right, okay, trying to get feedback and understand how you go about things. One of the things I know when I started out, I spoke to some of my, my friends, my colleagues, people I've, I've worked with in the past, people I know. And just ask for help is not a failure. I think it's very much there's some great people out there that have got some great knowledge. I think that the deck, although they always say it's like your first chance and, 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 and you're like you out, it, it's a first chance of getting it right, but you can adapt it because there's different parts of the journey of the business that it may not be right at that time, may not be right for the individual or the investor, but it might be right in, in the future, and that may be three months down the road, six months down the road. but. What we will do, I'm sure, is, is give that advice back through the community to help people understand where they are, and, and we'll be honest and make sure they know where they can then build or report. And that's why I hope to bring to it. Through. Yeah, I
1: just wanted to answer that because you make some really good points there, Ross. And I just wanted to go to a little bit more detail that we are building a platform for entrepreneurs to map them with with relevant to our flags firmly. Planted on the entrepreneurial side of things, and we want to educate entrepreneurs. So we are, you know, looking to try and end up these podcasts and the blogs that emanate from the podcasts are designed to get that kind of ball rolling, get people interested in what we're doing. Entrepreneurs who maybe at the startup phase at the moment, but are keen on learning some of the the, the ideas and uh, technique they can um, apply as their business is growing. To start looking and thinking about investment and how to fund the high growth, whether growing organically is best for them, whether bank funding is best for them, but whether private equity or VC funding is, a, is an option as well. And so the aim of EHE over the next few months is to and ready for our launching we think, round about February, is to put an education piece on the website. And one of those most definitely will be the, the key things that you need to think about and provide in a pitch deck. And that would supplement this podcast, hopefully, as well.
0: Brilliant. No, that feels like a really nice kind of na- natural end. I think we've covered loads of ground about what needs to be in a pitch deck, who's it aimed for, what's important. Ross, you've given some really good insights into kind of what you would progress and what you wouldn't, and so have you guys. And just to echo the thing about the community, from an entrepreneur point of view, they have to know, don't they, where they're going wrong. Is it the failure on the pitch deck or is it um, that they haven't articulated properly or is it an issue around the, the structure of the business? So we are very committed to to being able to give that feedback and continue educating. So I can see loads of content coming out over the next few months relating to this. Is there anything else either of you wanted to add before we wrap up for today? No, nothing to no. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, both of you. I'll uh, We'll speak soon on uh, pitch decks number two.
1: Yeah, thanks, Naree. Thanks, Ross.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website, ehe.capital, for further insights and to join the EHE community.